0: Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill, the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church, located in Evansville, Indiana. It's great to have you here with me for a Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. This is edition number 170 of Season 8. We're still looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. We're in Chapter 30. Today, we'll look at paragraph number 3. Let's pray together first. Our Father in Heaven, as we come to your word, once again, we come to deal with a very important matter that Uh, your church often faces, often has to face, and often has to deal with in the lives of your people. We pray that you'd give us insight and understanding and wisdom as we consider these truths, that you would be kind to us, that your spirit would attend to all that is said and heard. We pray that you'd forgive us for our sins, that we would daily live lives of repentance, that we would watch and pray lest we enter into temptation, into grievous sin, and by which then the discipline of the church must come to bear upon us. We pray, Father, that you would keep us from the evil one. We ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we come now to paragraph number three in which we find here in this paragraph the necessity of church censures. Now, we haven't covered what those censures are. We're going to uh, deal with those in the Thursday edition in paragraph number four, but As we've already noted, the Lord Jesus Christ is the head and king of the church. He has established a government in his church comprised of elders and deacons. More to the point, in this particular situation, it is given to the elders of the church to, uh, to enact what we know or understand to be church discipline. They hold the keys of the kingdom. They are able to retain and remit sins, to shut that kingdom against the impenitent, by the word and by censures and to open it unto penitent sinners by the ministry of the gospel and absolution from censures as occasion shall require. Now, what is the purpose? Why is it that we practice church discipline? I I recognize that there are many churches in, in our world today that, um, that don't practice church discipline. And frankly, if you are not, if you are in one of those churches that do not discipline their own people, then, uh, at least in within the bounds of the Reformed tradition, I would argue strongly that it's not a legitimate church of Christ. Uh, it is not holding to one of the marks of the church, which is the preaching of the Word of God, the right administration of the sacraments. And this subject of which we're dealing with, it's not an easy one, but it's one that the Bible gives to us plainly. And it's the subject of church discipline. So why do we do it? Why do we have these censures in the first place? What is their whole purpose? And so I'm just going to read paragraph number three, make a few comments. This is not awfully difficult to understand, but it's often very difficult to practice. So church censures are necessary for the reclaiming and gaining of offending brethren, for deterring of others from the like offenses, for purging out out of that leaven which might infect the whole lump, for vindicating the honor of Christ and the holy profession of the gospel, and for preventing the wrath of God which might justly fall upon the church if they should suffer his covenant and the seals thereof to be profaned by notorious and obstinate offenders. And so here we have given to us in this paragraph the necessity of doing church discipline and enacting church censures upon upon those that are living lives that don't demonstrate or don't uh, don't agree with their profession of the gospel, their profession of faith. I want to begin at the end of the paragraph just to note this, uh, well it's really in the middle of it, but this idea of preventing the wrath of God which might justly fall upon the church. We have a very Strong uh, biblical illustration of this in Judge in Joshua chapter seven in the sin of Achan. Now you know the story. Jericho had fallen. God had told them to to not keep anything to themselves, to devote all things to destruction. But Achan and his family decided to circumvent the command of God and hide the devoted things in their own tent. Well, as a result, when they went to take on AI, uh, Joshua chapter eight, the people uh, the people uh, were defeated, they were trounced by a a much lesser foe. That is to say the wrath of God fell upon all of the people because of the sin that was in the camp there um, after the battle of Jericho. So one of the reasons why we practice church discipline is because we want to prevent that very thing from happening. Uh, Sin in the camp can bring great judgment against the church locally or or even denominationally if it is not rooted out and dealt with according to the word of God. Church censors are necessary, the paragraph tells us. That is to say, not, these are not optional things. We, we don't just set these things aside and choose not to do them if we don't want to. The Bible makes it quite clear through numerous illustrations and examples, Matthew 18 being one of them, uh, look at another one here in a minute, but it's necessary. They are necessary for the following reasons, for the reclaiming and gaining of offending brethren. Now, we discipline those who profess faith in Christ because we want to see them come to a point of repentance in which they recognize the, the egregious nature of their sin, and they've turned away from it, and they're looking to God for help, and they're claiming the gospel as their own. There's always forgiveness And so church discipline does not eliminate the idea of forgiveness. And in fact, it offers it or even extends it to the offending sinner. And so one of the goals, it's not the only goal, but it's one of the goals is to reclaim and gain an offending brother or sister in the church. It also deters others from the like offenses because they see, in fact, the consequences of such behavior 1 Timothy five twenty, them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Now, when you are in a church that practices godly, biblically rooted church discipline, then that ought to bring a sense of fear and reverence and awe for the rest of the people, because they recognize that the church takes the matter of sin before a holy God very seriously. So, it is designed to deter others from the like offenses and for purging out of that leaven which might infect the whole lump. Now, there are many sins that can do that. The sin of gossip and slander comes to mind quite quickly. Six things the Lord hates. The seventh is an abomination. Those that sow discord among the brethren. I have seen churches split wide open over slander and gossip in the church. It'll split a church faster than false teaching. That's just one example. There are many other examples of leaven that this leaven that can leaven the whole lump. The Apostle Paul appeals to this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 with the sin of sexual immorality, with the man who had his father's wife. And this sin was not being dealt with, and Paul charges, commands, directs the church at Corinth to deal with this sin that it might not ruin the whole church. Of course, the honor of Christ is always at stake. The world disciplines their own. The police officers will pull you over for speeding. The world punishes their own. We have court systems that are designed to do just that. What does it say when the church will not discipline their own? It's a disgrace to the name of Christ. And, that, and, and, and He who has called us to live holy lives, the holy profession of the gospel, I've covered the preventing the wrath of God, which might justly fall upon the church if they should suffer His covenant and the seals thereof, to be profaned by notorious and obstinate offenders. And so, when these things continue to exist within the life of the church, and the elders of the church are not rightly dealing with these kinds of matters, these matters that rise to this level of discipline, then we can expect not good things, not blessing, but in fact we should expect the judgment of God to fall upon us. And so, again, just in summary, we do this because we, it's not because we hate the person, it's not because we despise the individual, we discipline people because of our love for them, that they might be reclaimed by the gospel and the hope of Christ, that, that it might deter others from committing the same kinds of things because they recognize that their shepherds, those elders in the church, love them enough to warn them of their sin, and, and, and this is one of the means that God uses to keep us from doing these things. And it's, of course, to keep the purity of the church and the honor of Christ always before us these are important matters and a church that does not practice these things frankly doesn't care about the honor of Christ the gospel and in fact the offending brother brethren brothers or sisters who may be placing their souls in eternal jeopardy and so as you can see this is a very ex- extremely important subject Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so until the Thursday edition, when we look at those censures in specific, what are they? May the Lord help you today to walk in his ways. God bless.